Yeah! Woo! Heck yeah, baby! Rivers gives to Scrolls, angling left, has got room, it. 15, 10, 5, jackpot! He got it! Yes. He got it! He got it! The play should have been ruled a fumble. Ha 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 ha! Touchdown, Antonio Gates! 112 career touchdown catches. That's the most by an NFL tight end all time. I would have hoped that if people would have figured it out. I just like to play football. This is Score More with Garrett Sister. Let's go! We are back. Another installment of the Score More podcast. I am Garrett Sisty. Welcome back, Score Morons. And today. Like I said on Twitter, no goofing around today. We're going to get straight in the breakdown. And again, I'm over at Score More Pod. You can follow the podcast there. Going to be doing more stuff over there as the weeks go along. So go ahead and follow at Score More Pod on Twitter. And we're just going to get to the breakdown. But first, got to talk about these injuries before we start. And I want to flip it and do the Browns injury report first, then move on to the Chargers. So... On the injury report for Cleveland, they have the linebacker, James Burgess. He was limited with a knee injury. The tight end, Seth DeValve, was limited with a hamstring injury. The talented corner, EJ Gaines, was limited on Wednesday with a groin injury. An important one here, their left tackle, Desmond Harrison, limited with a knee injury. If Desmond Harrison can't go, that means the rookie, Austin Corbett, who's usually left guard, will play left tackle. The Browns' free safety, Demarius Randall, was limited with a heel injury, but they've been cutting down his practices all season long, so Randall should be good to go. Who we do know is not playing this Sunday is their wide receiver 2-3, Richard Higgins. He has an MCL sprain. He's going to be out for a couple weeks, so he's definitely not going to be there on Sunday against the Chargers, so no Higgins for the Browns. For the Chargers, no Kaiser White, no Joey Bosa, no Jatavis Brown, and no Travis Benjamin. All did not practice on Wednesday. Probably won't play. Travis Benjamin might be close. We'll see about Jatavis Brown as well. But definitely no Joey Bosa and no Kaiser White this week. The tackles, Joe Barksdale, Russell Okung, both limited. But at least they're practicing. Mike Pouncey was limited with a knee injury. Hopefully he's okay. Tight end Virgil Green and defensive tackle Damian Square were both full participants They should be good to go on Sunday. And the big news on the injury report. A kicker injury. Caleb Sturgis has got a quad injury. And he was limited on a Wednesday. Adam Schefter reports. Caleb Sturgis will not play on Sunday. And they signed free agent kicker Mike Badgley. Which means the Chargers are going to carry two kickers. They're not cutting Caleb Sturgis. They're going to keep two kickers on the roster for Sunday. Like any team is going to be hunting the waiver wire for Caleb Sturgis. Like anybody's waiting for Sturgis to drop so they can pick him right back up. No. Caleb Sturgis will not play on Sunday. Whether that's good or bad, that's seven kickers in two years. And here we go again with the kicker drama. This is frustrating. This is annoying. And really, it's a nuisance. I'm tired of kickers. I'm, t- I'm tired of them. Abolish all kicking. Punting, kickers. Oh, but you're taking away jobs. They're specialty. I don't care. I don't, I don't want to see another kicker. I don't care. Get them all out of here. Every single one of them. Even Vinatieri or Justin Tucker. I don't care how good they are. 
Sebastian Janikowski, how about you leave? You're barely athletes. Get out of here. Anyway, you probably want the scouting report on a kicker, the new kicker, Michael Badgley. And I'm not watching Badgley tape. I'm, I am so against watching kicker tape, so I'm not going to do it. So I talked to my Colts guy. Yeah, I got a guy from the Colts. I, I got a Colts guy, okay? <laughs> I got a shoe guy. I got a hat guy. I got a Colts guy. And asked him about Badgley, and it was pretty easy. Uh, he was undrafted. He made every one of his kicks. He had five field goals. He made a 50-plus yarder. He made all five of his extra points. Pretty easy. Didn't miss a kick in preseason. He went undrafted. He was out of Miami. And the interesting thing he told me, and this is all I got, is that there were internal discussions about maybe keeping Badgley on the practice squad. Adam Vinatieri is 45 years old. So there was at least a discussion that, hey, if this is the year that Vinatieri's leg goes, which who knows when he'll ever stop, but if it does go, it'd be nice to keep an extra kicker. Ultimately, they went against it, made the right decision. I don't know why you'd keep another kicker. you just pick someone off the waiver wire. But Badgley made an impression on the Colts. There was a talk. Who knows how serious it was. But he had told me that there were some discussions. So at least on the surface, they had talked about keeping a kicker on their practice squad. So there you go on Michael Badgley. The downside is Badgley can kick seven field goals on Sunday against the Browns, make five of his extra points, and look amazing, and it won't matter because the Chargers are so sold on Caleb Sturgis, they're keeping him on the roster and don't even want to expose him to the waiver wire. So that's your update on Badgley. Uh, Some good news. I didn't think I would get anything out of a message about a kicker, but Colts liked him. Colts fans loved him, he said. So anyway... Here we go. New kicker, new week. But let's go ahead and focus on this week and let's talk about this Browns matchup. So as we begin this breakdown, just got to say, this isn't the Browns team you're used to seeing. This is a whole nother team with Baker Mayfield at the helm. And we're going to talk about them soon. And the Chargers are catching the Browns while they're rolling right now too. They're coming off a tough overtime win over the Baltimore Ravens. They're starting to build ahead of steam. Baker Mayfield starting to build up some swag. And last week, you know, I spoke on the importance of getting pressure on Derek Carr because he had the fifth worst pass rating in the league when under pressure. But Baker Mayfield is the exact opposite. Baker Mayfield has the third best passer rating when under pressure with a passer rating of 94.8. Phillip Rivers is actually number one in that category, and he leads the league with 110.1 passer rating. So Mayfield makes some of his best throws while under duress. This week, it's got to be about containing Mayfield in the pocket, kind of closing the walls in on him. If you shrink that pocket, try to keep Mayfield from rolling out, he'll force some bad throws, and he'll make some throws he'll want back. And he's done it each time in every game. So when the Chargers do close the wall in on Baker Mayfield, they'll have success. You don't want him rolling out extending plays, But when he does get outside the pocket and decides to make throws, he has the third worst pass rating in the league with quarterbacks outside the pocket. He has a 41.4 passer rating that is third worst in the league behind Matthew Stafford and Josh Allen with the worst. And Josh Allen has 5.7 passer rating when he's outside the pocket. Five, Five, single digit. That's how terrible he is outside the pocket. 
Chargers aren't facing Josh Allen again this year, but I, I just I, when I see that, it's just unbelievable how bad Allen is outside the pocket. So anyway, Mayfield, third worst passer rating when he's outside the pocket. So if you get him off his spot and you move Baker Mayfield, that's good as long as you make him throw the ball. If you get him running, that's when the issue occurs. That's when he can move the chains. That's where he can run and be a threat with the ball in his hands. So Mayfield can basically make every throw in the book. And on Sunday, he's going to be testing the Chargers DBs deep. They've thrown the most 20-plus yard pass attempts in the league with 31, which is tied with the Chiefs. And that's all Baker Mayfield. This week, another test for Jaleel Diet free safety or whoever they roll out there because the Browns have some speed and they're going to be pushing the ball downfield. And they've been doing it all year. Something to watch out for. Now, like I said... Baker Mayfield's going to make some throws that he's going to want back. This year he's thrown three interceptions in the last two games. He loves to gamble. One of his interceptions was against the Raiders. They returned it for a touchdown. That was Gary and Conley. He took it to the house for six. So he's going to be careless with the football at times, and the Chargers are going to have to take advantage. But the thing about it is Baker always recovers. This kid has nerves of steel. You don't see the rookie hiccups. You do with a certain amount of throws. But the confidence doesn't wane with Baker Mayfield. He's got it through the roof. And like I was saying earlier, he's building up some swag too. That's why the Browns just won't go away. The Chargers will have to find a way to rattle Baker Mayfield on Sunday and not let him become a hero again this week. If you've listened to sports radio, if you've turned on the TV or heard anything about football, it's all about Baker Mayfield and how he's got this team turned around in Cleveland. So, you know he can make all the throws. He's going to make mistakes. You're going to have to bottle him up on Sunday. And he's got the legs to move the chains. So you can't let him scurry. You can't let him scramble. you got to contain him. If you make those walls close in on him and kind of shrink his pocket, kind of like the trash compactor in A New Hope, you squeeze him on in. And if he can't get his feet under him, he's going to make some bad throws. Now, on Sunday against the Ravens, He threw an interception early in that game, recovered, drove the Browns down multiple times to win the game, and ultimately they did. So let's talk about this offensive line, because if you're going to close in the walls, you're going to have to get some interior pressure. You're going to have to get pressure on the edges as well. Now, the interior of the Browns' offensive line happens to be their strength, and they got some veterans in the middle, too. At center, they run through the former Packer, J.C. Trotter. He's their field general. At guard, the Browns have their longtime offensive lineman, Joel Batonio. He's playing left guard. And the former Bengal, Kevin Zeitler, is playing right guard. Now, Zeitler is the strength of that line. And between the three, that's a lot of veteran presence in the middle of that line, and they are looking to move downhill. Look for a lot of inside zone on Sunday with these three backs. We'll talk about those backs in a little bit. So at tackle, this is where the Browns are their weakest. They signed the former Steeler Chris Hubbard this offseason, and he's manning the right side of the line, but he's really struggled to begin the year. On the other side, you've got the UDFA protecting the blind side, Desmond Harrison. A lot has been made of Harrison's strong start to start the year, so I was excited to watch Harrison when going back and watching these Cleveland games so far. And at left tackle, it didn't seem like he was being attacked a lot this year. Until this past weekend against the Ravens, where Baltimore basically lined up Terrell Suggs right on top of Harrison, and Suggs had a field day on Sunday. It was Harrison's worst game of the year. He showed a major weakness against the Bull Rush. So, what I'd like to see, 
Melvin Ingram, let him loose on Sunday against Harrison. Also, how about lining up Darius Phylon at the 5-tech versus Harrison like Gus did on Sunday when he lined up Phylon on the left side right against Colton Miller, the Raiders' rookie left tackle. And if you remember that play, Phylon bull rushed Miller. He took advantage of him and just overpowered him and got the sack on that play. So that's something I'd like to see again. Now, you know, obviously you can't run Darius Phylon at 5-tech 50, 60% of the snaps. I'm not saying that, but it would be a great wrinkle. So I think lining up Phylon just a few times as a 5-tech against Harrison, maybe giving him a little Hubbard too, I think that would be good because that would be an advantage for the Chargers because that's Harrison's weakness, and you can create some pressure off the left side if you can get him with that bull rush. You might see Melvin Ingram do the same. I'm sure they saw it on tape. But the Browns gave up five sacks last week to six different Baltimore defenders. Two of them collected a half a sack. So that's the worst they've done as a unit this season. And that has a lot to do with the competition, I think. I have a feeling that a lot of the defensive lines that the Browns face so far this year aren't going to end up being good at the end of the year. So I think they've had a little bit of a pass and not a real test until they've faced this really good Baltimore defensive line. And they took advantage. Six guys getting in the backfield, collecting sacks. That's not including pressures and all that. So, you know, the strength of the Browns' offensive line is their run blocking. But in pass pro, they're going to get tested again this week. I think they struggle there, and I think they struggle again. And I think that has a lot to do with the competition. In fact, last week, Eric Weddle even collected a sack on a safety blitz. And I'm sure Derwin James is just licking his chops this week, watching how easy that came for Weddle on tape. So hopefully Gus sees it too. Now, we'll talk about the wide receivers, and Derwin James might have to cover a lot in this game because of the speed from these receivers. But you got to send Derwin James here because there are some opportunities there on the safety blitz. Now, kind of mentioned the three-headed monster for the running backs, and they got a stable consisting of Carlos Hyde, the former 49er running back, Duke Johnson, and the rookie Nick Chubb. Now, the Browns' offense loves to run the ball up front, especially on first down with Carlos Hyde. Hyde is ninth in the league in rushing yards on first down with 206. He's averaging 3.9 yards per carry on first down. The Chargers' run defense will need to stop the Browns early because they're going to go back to that well all game long, whether they are up or down because they put a lot of trust in that offensive line. They love to watch this offensive line move downhill, beat you down, and hopefully take advantage of the tired defensive line late in the game. So Carlos Hyde is more their workhorse power back. Duke Johnson will get it three to five carries on Sunday, but he's their receiving back. They like to line him up as a wide receiver as well. And then the rookie, Nick Chubb, he's not getting a ton of carries, but he's really starting to make a case for some more snaps. Nick Chubb is the only running back on the Browns of the three who's rushed for over 100 yards this season, which was against week four against the Raiders. We know how bad the Raiders are and their run D, but he only had three carries, which totaled 105 yards and two touchdowns. So he has a opportunity to break one loose when he's got the ball in his hand. So watch out for that. Nick Chubb isn't going to get a lot of opportunities, but he's definitely making a case for getting more carries. So you might see a little bit more on Sunday. He's probably getting about three to five carries a game too, just like Duke Johnson. They mix him in, but Carlos Hyde is their bell cow. They're going to feed him a lot. So while this Cleveland offense loves to run the rock, they have some success, but it hasn't come without its failures. Because the Browns have the most rushes, 
that have equaled zero yards or less 33 times this year. That's worse than the NFL. Chargers are actually not far behind at third worst with 31 attempts. So Browns have done it two more times than the Chargers. But on Sunday against the Raiders, Ken Wisenhunt loved to do the big play. And then once they get it on first down, run the ball. Big chunk play, run the ball. Big chunk play, run the ball. And it seemed like it was an ongoing pattern all game long. I felt like I was watching Ken Wisenhunt coach these dudes in orange helmets because it was the exact same thing. So watch when the Browns get big chunk plays or when they get their first downs, they're going to be running it. They're going to hand it to Carlos Hyde and hopefully the Chargers can stop them and add more to that zero yard or less stat I read earlier and make it a little bit more than 33 this Sunday. So then moving on to the wide receivers, and I touched on them a little bit, but we haven't really got into it. So, you know, this team puts up some big plays on offense. They are sixth in the league in explosive plays, meaning runs that are over 15 yards and pass plays that are 20 yards or more. So Cleveland has 30 explosive plays this season, and the Chargers actually lead that category with 35. So while they get some chunk plays in the air, the Browns also own the highest percentage of drop passes in the NFL with 7.6%. So if you thought week one was bad with Travis Benjamin and Tyrell Williams, imagine that every week for Cleveland. So let's get in these Cleveland wideouts and some of these wide receivers that have some problems catching the ball. We know Mayfield's going to be without one of his favorite targets on Sunday, which is wide receiver Rashard Higgins. He's been ruled out with an MCL sprain. The starting wide receivers are going to be Jarvis Landry, and the rookie fourth-round pick, Antonio Callaway. Now, Jarvis Landry has been the Browns' most effective weapon. He's proven this year he's more than just a slot receiver he was in Miami. Juice is averaging a career-high 13 yards per catch and has been targeting double digits four out of the five games this season. Landry's receiving yards have kind of been up and down. He recorded two 100-yard games so far this season and three games that were mostly down. In fact, last week against Ravens, he only had one catch for 10 yards going into halftime. And then he got two big gainers, and then it kind of bumped up his stats a little bit. But he was locked down for most of that game until the end when the Browns needed to make a run. So on defense, these DBs are going to have to limit the explosive plays, and that all starts with Jarvis Landry. You can live with the small gainers, but you can't let Landry eat up the field. Stopping Landry is going to be priority number one. They're going to target Jarvis Landry all day. He's probably going to get 10-plus targets again this week, and you can take the three to five yard catches as long as you limit those explosive plays. You don't want those 10 plus yard catches from Jarvis Landry because those start adding up real quick, especially when he's getting the ball thrown to him 10 plus times. So the Chargers can't be giving up big chunk plays. You can live with the little dinks and dunks from Jarvis Landry because they're just going to try to manufacture some touches with Landry to try to get the ball in his hands, let him run after the catch. Got to tackle, obviously, but... Keep the short gains from Landry. Limit the explosive plays. Obviously, it's not an easy task. Every team's trying to do the same thing with Jarvis Landry. And two of the five weeks, he's exploded for over 100 yards. So it's easier said than done. If you limit Landry and the Browns are without Higgins, you're going to force Mayfield to throw it to these other receivers and force these receivers to make plays. Like a guy like Antonio Callaway. Now, Callaway's currently dealing with a knee issue. He's been plagued with drops all season, including a costly drop late in the game last week. 
but Callaway now has four or fewer receptions in every game this season. How about you try to throw the ball more to Callaway because he's not catching a lot of the balls going his way. So from a game plan standpoint on the defensive end for the Chargers, if Gus is electing Hayward to shadow Landry most of the game, like he did with Amari Cooper last week, you're leaving Trevor Williams one-on-one with Callaway, and that favors the Chargers. Callaway has got some major speed. He likes to stretch the field, and you're going to have to run with him and not let him blow the top off the defense. Antonio Callaway is actually the sixth-ranked wide receiver in air yards per target with 15.7, a full yard ahead of him. Mike Williams, top five. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat. From an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. So, Browns like to target Antonio Callaway deep. Look for that on Sunday. But, if you're having Hayward match up with Landry, which is going to be a very fun matchup to watch on Sunday... You've got Trevor Williams against Callaway, the rookie who struggled and hasn't made more than four catches a game. That's a net positive for the defense. Now, without Higgins, the next man up for the Browns is going to be the former Raider Rod Streeter and the UDFA who was instrumental in the comeback win in overtime last week, Derek Willies. At tight end, David Njoku has been fairly quiet before this past week against the Ravens, having his most targets, catches, and yards of the year, going 6 of 11 for 69 yards. Njoku really didn't develop any chemistry with Tyrod Taylor, but Baker Mayfield and David Njoku are starting to click a little bit more now. Last Sunday, the Chargers did a beautiful job of bracketing Jared Cook and limiting one of the Raiders' most dangerous weapons. So like I mentioned earlier, if Hayward's shadowing Landry, which is going to be a fun matchup, you got Trevor Williams on the outside with Antonio Callaway. And by the way, with Landry, Hayward might not be able to shadow him as much as he did with Cooper, only because... The Browns move Landry everywhere, whether it's on either side of the boundary or in the slot. They like to move Landry around, so Hayward might not stay with him and shadow him. If Casey Hayward is matched up with Jarvis Landry a lot, and you got Trevor Williams on the outside with Antonio Callaway, look for a lot more nickel and dime looks with Adrian Phillips, taking over that linebacker spot, help out in coverage like he did on Sunday against Jared Cook, and he did a very good job limiting Jared Cook's splash plays, which he's done almost all season. So let's flip over to the defensive side of the ball. And this isn't the Cleveland defense we're accustomed to seeing from the Browns. They've been playing very impressive this year. Starting up front, the Chargers' interior offensive line is going to have a tall task on Sunday blocking Larry Ogunjobi. He'll line up at the nose in the three-tech, and he's effective at either spot. He is quietly becoming one of the better D-tackles in the game, and I cannot be more impressed with this kid. Watching him in his second year, I didn't know he had it in him. Obviously, I watched him last year when the Chargers played the Browns, but with the way he's progressed, it's been really impressive. Ogunjobi is a tough piece to move in the run game, and he really wrecks shop as a pass rusher. Ogunjobi leads the team in pressures, which is better than their best pass rusher, Miles Garrett. 
and he's tied for fourth in the league among defensive tackles in that category, and he's tied with DeForest Buckner. Think about how good his production is if he's up there with DeForest Buckner. Now, the Chargers interior offensive lineman Dan Feeney, Michael Schofield, and most importantly, center Mike Pouncey are going to have to anchor that middle against Ogan Joby. And that's going to be a tough task. So then you go to the outside with these pass rushers, and they have a talented one in Miles Garrett. Garrett is an athlete that can win with speed or power, also exhibits some really good bend. He's averaging a sack a game this year and has really taken a jump in his progression as well. And if Russell Okun can't go on Sunday, that is not good for Sam Tevy and the Chargers. So opposite Garrett, they've got Emmanuel Ogba rushing from the other side. He's a long, lean pass rusher. He wins mostly with speed. Ogba's played in three games this year, and to be honest with you, I don't think he's been very good, and he hasn't really been that productive either. What Ogba can do when he doesn't get home on the pass rush is get his hands in passing lanes. He's already got three pass deflections this year, but honestly, Ogba's really been outshied by the rookie Jannard Avery. Avery is the team Sam behind Jamie Collins, and he's starting to put it together as a pass rusher. He's got a sack and a half and eight QB hits. Avery is ranked as a top 15 edge defender right now. If Barksdale and Okung aren't back this week, those young tackles, Trent Scott, Sam Tevy, going to have to find a way to stop Garrett and Avery. So then we move back to these linebackers, and like a guy I mentioned earlier, Jamie Collins, he's the starting Sam. Jannard Avery's behind him, but he's been known as one of the league's best Sams, but he's starting to fall off a little bit. He looks a little slow down this season, but Collins can really bring it as a run defender. And the other linebackers are the Mike Joe Schobert and the Will Christian Kirksey. They will man the middle. Kirksey's been okay this season, but Joe Schobert is a dog in coverage. Ogan Joby impressed the hell out of me, and Joe Schobert made my jaw drop. He doesn't really do anything in the run game, but that man can cover. He is by far the best coverage linebacker the Chargers have faced this year. And Schobert has got to be top five in that category in the league. He surprised me. He really, really surprised me. So Antonio Gates, Virgil Green, going to have a tough day on Sunday. This is a talented defense. So while these linebackers can cover, they leave a lot to be desired against the run. They've allowed two 100-yard rushers this season, and they've been to physical backs, Marshawn Lynch of the Raiders and James Conner of the Steelers, who both rushed for over 130 yards. This is an advantage for the way Melvin Gordon has been running because if he runs tough like he has, he'll be successful. If he dances in the backfield, it's going to be a long day. This isn't a very good tackling group, so Gordon will need to run with power and create some extra yards. We've seen the good and bad of Melvin Gordon throughout his career, obviously, right? This year, and I'll take you back to the game against San Francisco, he was running harder than we've probably ever seen him. That might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but he was running very impressive against the 49ers. And if he does that again, where he's running hard, head down, not letting one defender bring him down and making more guys come to him to bring him to the ground, he's going to have a lot of yards on Sunday. If he dances in the backfield, thinks too much, it's going to be a long day for the Chargers offense. So then we've talked about Ogan Joby, impressive up front, Joe Schobert. That man can cover. Now let's get on to these DBs who are also very talented. And since we're talking about good coverage like Joe Schobert, the Browns are the second best team against the pass 
forcing a passer rating of 74.2 this season. They got some good coverage corners in their fourth overall pick, Denzel Ward, my CB1, by the way, and corner EJ Gaines. They both played lights out. Ward was a top five corner to begin this year. He had some hiccups in week three and four, I think, but last week allowed a 19.9 passer rating, which was the best in the league. And throughout the season, EJ Gaines, on the other side, is ranked fourth in the lowest passer rating allowed with 44.6 when targeted. So Ward and Gaines have held their own in the secondary. Heading into the sixth week of the season, Denzel Ward leads the NFL with nine pass deflection and is tied in second with three interceptions. And he's been really impressive on special teams. He got a block kick last week on Justin Tucker, where he went flying off the edge. Dove blocked the kick. So they've got some talented DBs. And at free safety, they've got Demarius Randall. He's proven to be a nice addition. He's another guy who's excelled this year in coverage. Their strong safety, Jabril Peppers, is having a better start to the year than last year and probably had his best game against the Ravens last week. He's gotten much better as a run defender. And of course, Peppers is a threat to rush the passer too. While watching this Browns defense, it kind of reminded me of last year's Chargers defense. They've got guys who can get after the quarterback. Miles Garrett, Jernard Avery. They got guys who can cover in the back end. They've got Denzel Ward on one side, EJ Gaines. They've got a strong safety who can tackle in the run game. The pass rush is forcing some bad and hurried throws. The corners then clean it up on the back end. And they aren't that great against the run or in the middle of their defense. That reminded me of last year's Chargers. Not a great run defense, a little weak in the middle. That's why the Chargers addressed it in the draft this offseason. Got good corners, like the Chargers. Got good pass rushers, Melvin Ingram, Joey Bosa last year. This is much like the Chargers defense last year. So then, special teams. And guess what, guys? The Chargers play the worst special teams unit in the country on Sunday. With all the bad things I've said about this team's special teams, and they've been much better in the last two weeks, the Browns are the literal worst. Their former kicker, Zane Gonzalez, cost them two games this year. They picked up Greg Joseph, who replaced him after week two. He's made six out of seven field goals, all his extra points through three games, including the game winner against the Ravens last week. Jabril Peppers, the man I mentioned a little bit earlier, their strong safety, is their returner. He was an electric returner in college, has a chance to break one. So they've got to contain Peppers as well. So the result, the Browns hang around in every game they've played this year. In fact, they're the only team in NFL history to be tied in the fourth quarter in all five of their games to begin the year. Baker Mayfield is fearless. The Chargers are going to need to keep Baker Mayfield uncomfortable within the pocket. Don't let him scramble. Don't let him run for first downs and move the chains. Stopping the wide receiver Jarvis Landry is a must. Then you limit David Njoku, and you're forcing some of the other Browns players to step up. And they're role players at best. Make somebody else beat you. On defense, the Brands are going to come after Rivers. With Miles Garrett, Jannard Avery, and these corners are going to stick to these Chargers wide receivers. They're going to have to find space. They're going to have to manufacture some yards. Melvin Gordon, going to have to run hard on Sunday. And this O-line will have to contain Larry Ogunjabi in the middle. So the Browns team is tough. They're starting to build some confidence under Baker. And the Chargers are going to have to travel to Cleveland. My record so far this year, 
the four podcasts I've done so far, four and oh. This isn't the week that I'm going to lose, and this isn't the week the Chargers lose either. I got the Chargers winning this contest in a close one, 20-16. to 16. Chargers come out on top, get a road win. So that's it. Nothing but a breakdown. No bullshitting, no nothing. And I'm here for it. So I appreciate you guys. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to follow at ScoreMorePod on Twitter. And let's just hope the Chargers score more on Sunday. Hello, you're listening to Simone de Rochefort, one of the hosts of The Polygon Show. It's a show all about the video games that you'll never have time to play, brought to you by four friends who are just as passionate about food, soft drinks, and TV shows as we are about video games. Every Friday, we bring you a new hour of personal stories, like how we found the best way to play Yakuza 0, Or even what happens when you play so much Zelda that you hurt your hands and can't play games anymore. Above all, we just have a really good time talking about the games that we love. Check out the show on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcatcher. You can also find us at Polygon Show on Twitter and send a tweet to say hi. Thanks for listening.